We're in a series of messages on prayer. We are in the book of Luke chapter 11, and that story you just saw depicted in the video is the very story that Jesus tells. That, of course, was a modern version, but it is the very same story. So we're going to get into the Word of God today and talk about prayer. Before we do, let me just uh, let you know about our uh, team that is going to Kentucky. They'll be going to uh, Eastern Kentucky again in July, and um, they have been such a blessing to the people of that area. It's a very poverty-stricken area right here in our very own country, our very own nation of America, and uh, we send a team there. Last year was our first time, and I've been back, uh, I think, at least one time since then, going back again in July. They are having a little fundraiser, and um, that beautiful um, sub sandwich that looks like a huge donut, hallelujah, donut sub sandwiches, I'm just getting excited right here, right now. Uh, they're taking orders on those. We know uh, Super Bowl Sunday's coming up here in a couple of weeks, and so they're taking orders on those. So on your way out, place in order. They're only $25, and you get a lot of good food for that amount, plus you're helping our, our team go to Kentucky. So put your order in today, all righty? They said if I'd announced that, they'd give me a free one. All right. Luke chapter 11, <clears throat> verses 5 through 13. I'm not going to read that text today because we've already read that story, but I will uh, read bits of it as we go through this message. Luke chapter 11 is a chapter in the Bible where Jesus is teaching us about prayer. He's teaching us how to pray. The disciples said to him at the very beginning of that chapter, they said, Lord, teach us to pray. And he said, when you pray, pray like this, our Father who art in heaven. And then he gave that very famous passage that many of you have memorized that we refer to as the Lord's Prayer. Now that prayer if you think about it, really focuses on our needs. Give me daily bread. Forgive me of my sins. Help uh, me to stay away from evil and evil to stay away from me. And all through that prayer, it talks about our needs. And God is fine with that. God wants you to bring your needs to him. If there's anybody sitting here this morning and the enemy has been saying to you that God does not want you to pray to him, that you're not worthy to pray to him, and so God doesn't want you to come and bring your needs to him, I want to say as your pastor that that is a lie from the enemy. God wants you to come and talk to him. What father doesn't want to talk to his children? So bring your prayers to him. Now the very first prayer you need to bring to him is, Lord, I come to give you my life. I come to give you my life. I come knowing, Lord, that you sent your son to die on a cross to pay for my sins. I come to you knowing that they buried him, but he rose from the dead, and because he lives, I too can live. So I come to you, Lord, before I ask for anything, I ask you to save me. I ask you to come into my life, come into my heart. I accept you as my personal Savior. That's the first prayer God wants to hear you pray. And then the door is open because you have now been adopted into the family of God and you can bring your requests. Make your requests known, the Bible says. The Bible says you have not because you ask not. So God wants us to come and bring our needs and bring our requests. But then Jesus goes into another level of teaching on prayer 
really a graduate school level. If you want to call the Lord's Prayer a high school level, he goes into a graduate school level of prayer when he begins to teach the disciples how to intercede or pray for others, how to pray for others. And that's what we're going to talk about, praying for one another that we may be healed. You don't have to raise your hand because I'm sure we'd have 100% on this question. But how many of you sitting right here right now have a friend or a family member who is in desperate, desperate need? that needs to be healed physically, that needs a job, that needs God to intervene in behalf of their marriage. Above all things, how many of you have friends or family who just need to come to Christ and give their life to Christ? And by not doing that, they have sought other sources for joy and fulfillment and have ruined their life running from God. Every one of us could raise our hand. And say, I have a friend like that. I have a family member with those kinds of needs. So God is calling on us this morning to learn how to intercede for others. Learn how to pray for others that they might be healed. Let's go back and do a quick review. We've already talked about the subject of this prayer. The subject of this prayer is found in Luke 11 and verse 13. It says, if you then being evil. Now Jesus is talking and really he's talking very specifically here about fathers. He's talking about dads or at least he's talking about parents. He says if you as a parent, if you've been being evil and when he says being evil there he doesn't mean that you're evil in the sense that you hurt people. He's, he's uh, using an analogy there, he's using a comparison there rather of, of our righteousness compared to God's righteousness. It doesn't matter how good you are compared to God, we are evil, aren't we? He says, if you then, let me put it this way, if you then being human, if you then being limited in your ability to love, if you then being being limited in your ability to show love and to even have this level of love. If you've been being human, you know how to give good gifts to your children. Even in our humanity, we know how to be good to our children, don't we? Look what he says. How much more will your heavenly Father, who is unlimited in his ability to love, who is unlimited in his compassion, I mean, if you as earthly moms and dads know how to be good to your children, how much more will your heavenly dad give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So, the subject of this prayer is that God would bestow upon us the power of his Holy Spirit that we might do in this world what we have been called to do, and that is to build his kingdom. See, every one of you are gifted. Every one of you have a gift. I had a lady one time who attended our church, and she got frustrated uh, with our preaching here and our teaching. She said, she said, I love the church. I love the music, Pastor, your messages. She said, but you are always pushing people to get involved. She said, I just want to come. Can I just come and sit on the pew? And I said, yes, you can, but you will never be complete 
as a child of God. You were never sensed that fullness and that completeness of being a child of God until you learn how to bless others. And that is why we're always talking about that here at Whitley Church. And that is why we're always teaching that here at our church. Because God will give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him. But what is the Holy Spirit for? Is it for our enjoyment? I don't know about you all, but I enjoy the presence of the Holy Spirit. Has anybody sensed the presence of the Holy Spirit here today? Did you enjoy that? So did I, but it's not primarily for our enjoyment. It is primarily for our employment. You've heard me say that before. And that means that the Holy Spirit comes upon us and rises up in us and through us that we might do what God has called us to do. Too many churches only want to enjoy the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes to empower you to do the work of God in this world. You know what Jesus said when he left? He said, I will send the Holy Spirit and greater things you shall do. Greater things. Not greater in, in power, but greater in number. Things you shall do. Okay? So the Holy Spirit is to empower us. The second thing we talked about was the size of this prayer. Now, this is the story of a man who's sitting at home with his wife, and all of a sudden there comes a knock on the door. He goes to the door, and it is a stranger, or maybe it's a friend, actually, in this story. It is a friend. And uh, he says, oh, so good to see you come in. And they're talking, and he goes, have you had any dinner? And he goes, no, I haven't. I'm very hungry. He says, well, you can have dinner with us. And then his wife reminds him that there's no dinner in the house. So he says, I'll be right back. He goes down the road. That's what the video was about that you saw. He goes down the road and knocks on his neighbor's door. It's at midnight, so his neighbor's in bed. All the kids are in bed. And he's knocking on the door because he knows this man loves him, and he loves this man, and he knows this man has food. Don't you love to go to the homes of people who you know are going to have some good food? Amen. I was invited to a, a Super Bowl party, and I said, are you going to have food? They said, yes. I said, I'm available. Okay? So... He goes to this house, and he knocks on the door. You saw the video. The man said, I'm not getting up. I'm not going to get up. My kids are in bed. I'm in bed. The dogs are barking. You're waking up. The neighbors leave me alone. But the Bible goes on to say in Luke chapter 11 that because of this man's persistence and importunity, he would not go away. He kept asking. He kept knocking. He kept seeking. And finally, his neighbor gets up and goes, what do you want? He says, I want three loaves of bread. Now, the reason I talk about the size of the prayer is because the guy could have asked for just enough for his friend, but he asked for something big. You say, well, three loaves of bread, that's not big. Yes, it is. And that day, a man had to work all day long to make enough money to buy one loaf of bread. So this guy comes over and is knocking on the door saying, I need Three days wages. I want to get, first of all, I'm going to get you up. Secondly, I want you to give me groceries, food that is worth three days wages. So the prayer was big. The prayer was big. And the word of the Lord to you today is to pray for the Holy Spirit to come into your life that you might do the work of God. And it also, the lesson here is for you to pray big. Some of you aren't praying big enough. 
Some of you are praying for things and God is looking at you and God is saying, if you would ask me for more, I would give you more, but you think somehow you're bothering me. You think somehow you're being more spiritual, more holy by asking for less. Listen to me. God is crying out to us this morning to pray big. Pray big. Who needs a big prayer? Who needs a big answer right now? God said, ask me. You said, well, I'm not sure if it's his will. I mean, it might not be his will. Well, just ask him. If it's not his will, he'll go, that's not my will. I used to, hey, listen, I learned when I was a kid, ask mom and dad, you know. They'll surprise you sometimes. You go, sure, go ahead, get that. Oh, hallelujah. Amen, amen. I'm telling you. So, so learn to pray big. Now let's look at, look at a very, very important component of Jesus' teaching here in Luke 11. So we're walking through Luke 11. We're walking through the story. So what is the subject? That we're praying for the Holy Spirit. And we're praying big. We're praying big. God's going to do big things in Whitley Church this year. Do you all know that? I, I'm going to tell you something, man. There's some stuff going on. God's going to do some big stuff in this church this year. God's called me to do a couple of, uh, couple of big things. I'm going to be presenting those to you a little bit later. You know, there, there are uh, things we plan for, and then there are things that just happen spontaneously in the family of God. Amen, amen. So uh, I'm going to be sharing some big stuff with you uh, coming up here a little bit later. God's going to do some big stuff. Now, how do we get big prayers answered, big prayers? Some of y'all need a healing. Some of you need a job. Some of you need a better job. Some of you need more pay. Some of you need to get over depression and loneliness and fear and anger and unforgiveness. And you've been bumping up against that wall, bumping up against that wall. Some of you, your marriage is in trouble. Some of you are having difficulty in relating with your parents and you've got relational problems going on in your life. There's a bunch of stuff sitting out here this morning. I know if your life's anything like my life, I've got some big stuff, and I need God to move big in my life. Now, I'm going to tell you how to get big prayers answered. Steadfastness. We're going to have to be steadfast in our prayers. I want to preach on that today. Look what it says in Luke 11, 7 through 8. And he will answer from within and say, do not trouble me. Remember, I already told you this part, but look at it in the Scripture. Do not trouble me. The, the door is now shut. And my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give to you. You see him sitting, laying in the bed. He's kicking his feet and covering his head with the pillow. This is how God acts toward us sometimes when we pray. This is how God comes off. This is how God appears to be sometimes when we pray. Y'all listen to me? This is a picture of God saying, I, I'm, the door's shut. This is a picture of God saying, children are in bed. I'm not going to rise up. I'm not going to give to you. I say to you, though he will not rise and give to him, because he is his friend, yet because of his, everybody say it, persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. The man in this story knows that he has a friend who is hungry. The man in this story knows he has a friend who is hungry. 
He is not asking for this for himself. He is asking for this for his friend. So he keeps knocking. And he keeps asking and he keeps seeking. This is not a slight rattle on the doorknob. Jesus is talking about a man who is standing at the door and he is beating on that door. He is being steadfast in his petition for that man to rise up out of his bed and give him bread. And Jesus is saying, listen to me church, hear this. This is how you ought to be praying. Jesus is saying to his disciples, we got any followers of Jesus here this morning? Jesus is saying to his followers, this is how I want you to pray. If you'll notice that the first part of Luke chapter 11, in those first couple of verses, the disciples said, how are we to pray? How are we to pray? Teach us how to pray. Jesus says, I want you to pray with persistence. I want you to pray with a dogged determination. I want you to pray. I want you to push. I want you to weary me, God says. Isn't that strange language? God says, I want you to come continually to me. I want you to come steadfastly to me. I've heard some of these glory boys on TV preach and say, you know, if you pray and ask for something and then you go back and pray the second time, that means you didn't have faith the first time. Give me a major break. You either need to get white out or some scissors and cut chapter 11 out of your Bible. And I'm going to show you some other places in the Bible where this is taught uh, today as well. Now, I'm going to give you something today that if you'll get hold of this, it'll change your life. What I'm going to give you today, if you'll get hold of this, it will change your life. Hear the word of the Lord today. We're to pray continually. We are to pray steadfastly. Listen, this may sound strange, but you are to bother God. Hard to say amen to. But I'm going to show you in the Bible. God wants us to weary him. This guy laying in the bed in Luke 11 that won't get up and give his friend the bread, that's a picture of God. And he's going, I'm not going to get up. I'm not going to get up. I'm not going to get up. The guy goes, need some bread for my friend. Need some bread for my friend. Need some bread for my friend. And finally, he bothers this guy enough and wearies him enough and beats on his door enough until he gets up. We are to beat on heaven's door until God arises. James 5.16. The quiet, little, short prayer. Is that what it says? The effectual what kind of prayer? Fervent. You know what? You don't even have to know what that word means. It just sounds like it means, doesn't it? Fervent. If you've prayed a little while, pray a little further. <laughs> I'm making up stuff now. Work with me. The effectual, fervent prayer. That means, that word effectual, fervent means heartfelt. Some of our prayers don't get answered because they're passive. We just ask you, God, please bless everybody. Oh, come on. You need to pray some prayers where you hit your knees in the hallway and slide up to the bed. <laughs> amen, amen. Yeah. Father, we come before you today. Man, God wants you to just get down with it. You say, well, 
I don't want to lose my dignity. That's exactly what some of us need to do is, is quit worrying about being dignified and let's get justified and let's get in with the presence of God and let God hear us cry out to him. Listen, if your child was drowning, how would you act to a lifeguard? What would you do to get that lifeguard's attention and get that lifeguard in there to save your child? You know what would be the last thing on your mind? Dignity. Dignity. Go hide yourself. You say, well, I'm not going to do that at church. Well, go do it at home. Man, I, if, if somebody all could see me pray at my house, you'd say, he, I am never going back to that church again. He's lost his mind. I'm telling you, man, I cry out. I walk around my house. I lay on the floor. I put my, fit, my face in the carpet. I cry out to God. There are things in my life that I'm not coming with some little passive King James prayer, Father, if I cometh before it be of thee. Some of my prayers are going to start off with, Hey! Jesus, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm honest, man. You have going through what my, my youngest son is going through in his life, you'll get undignified when you pray. The effectual, fervent, the heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man availeth much. What does that mean, availeth much? It means when you pray like that, it makes tremendous power available. When you pray like that, it, it is dynamic in its working. I am convinced this morning, and I'm gonna start, I'm gonna, I'm gonna start giving this answer back. Now, you guys are way more spiritual than the second service crowd, okay? So I'm really talking about them. But these people who come up to me and go, I guess I pray and pray and God, I'm just gonna go, don't stop. Don't stop. Don't give up. Don't give up. Let, let me tell you, when you're praying about something, God wants you to press in until you get what you're asking for or until he reveals to you, I'm impressed by your persistence. And though you're asking for something that is not my perfect plan for you, because of your persistence, I'm going to show you my higher plan. I'm going to show you my better plan. God does not get angry at people who pray persistently. Now, if you're like the guy who was on top of the house, y'all have heard this story many times, and the flood came, and he's praying for God to rescue him, and a boat comes along, and a helicopter comes along, and finally nobody comes along, and he goes, hey, God, I thought you were going to come and save me. He said, I sent a boat and a helicopter. Y'all have heard that story. Now, if you're refusing God's answer to your prayer, then that's a whole other thing. But be open to what God would say to you. I'm convinced that the reason our prayers are not answered is because we give up too early, guys. We're giving up too early. Uh, when I was in Cary, I used to pastor a church in Cary, uh, and um, we had a little neighbor, uh, a boy in the neighborhood, his name was Charlie, and Charlie was mean. And I'm not saying all people named Charlie are mean, but this Charlie was. I'm not going to ask if we've got any Charlies here. Um, I get any mean people here? Okay. So Charlie uh, would ring your doorbell and run. And, and he would ring it before you could get there and answer the door, and then you'd go answer the door, and you'd, you'd, you'd run out in the front yard, and you'd see Charlie running off, laughing, giggling. 
sound like a Schmeagle in uh, Lord of the Rings. I mean, he's kind of like that. And some of y'all know who I'm talking about. Um, so, so Charlie, I think that's what we do. I think we ring God's doorbell, we knock on God's door, and then we leave before he gets there. We leave before he answers the door. Let me give you some biblical illustrations. Let's go to 1 Kings chapter 18. And I'm not going to put this scripture on the screen. And you've got room in your worship program to write these notes down. And I would encourage you to write down these references and, and, and go home and study them and read them. Um, I'm going to read these out of the New Living Translation. But Elijah is a prophet of God in the Old Testament, and it has not rained for three and a half years. Now, there's a long story that goes with that. The people of, uh, of, of uh, Israel, Judah, re- uh, rejected God, and so God stopped the rain for three and a half years. Now, folks, we think we know what a drought is around here. We don't even know what a drought is. I mean, animals were dying, trees were dying, people were dying because of the drought. And now, um, after this, um, um, uh, God reveals himself, and, and Elijah prays and, and prays and intercedes for these people. There comes some relief, and Elijah uh, is beginning to pray. So the Bible says in verse 42, listen to this, and, and again, it's not on the screen, so you're going to have to listen. 1 Corinthians 18, 42, so Ahab prepared a feast, but Elijah, listen to this, Elijah climbed to the top of Mount Carmel and fell to the ground and prayed. He fell to the ground and prayed. Then he said to his servant, go and look out toward the sea, because here's what he's praying for. He's praying for rain. It hasn't rained in three and a half years, so he says he's praying for rain. He says, so servant, I want you to go out toward the sea, and I want you to look and see if you see any sign of rain. The Bible says the servant went and looked, but he returned to Elijah and said, I didn't see anything. Then the Bible says, seven times. Seven times he prayed with his face to the ground, and he told him to go look. And the Bible says, this is right out of the Bible, finally. Finally, the Bible says, the seventh time, he said, did you see anything? He said, no, well, he said, I saw a cloud about the size of a man's hand. And Elijah went, that's it. That's it. He said, said, that's all I've been looking for. He said, go tell Ahab to get his umbrellas out. Go tell Ahab the ushers are going to need umbrellas this Sunday because it's going to rain. Now, folks, listen. Two things here, persistent, seven times, seven times, seven times. He went and looked seven times, nothing, 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 nothing. Then on the seventh time, he said, well, yeah, sort of, I see a cloud. It's about the size of a man's hand. Elijah goes, that's it. Sometimes you got to look for God's answers to your prayers in the little stuff. Sometimes we're looking for that really big thing and that really big answer to come all at once. And what God may do is just give you a little sign that he hears you and a little sign that he's moving and a little sign that he's doing something in your life. When that happens... You know, you were crying out and you were saying, God, please. Now you start saying, thank you, thank you, thank you, God, thank you, God. 
Thank you, God. I see it. I see it. I see it. Some of you, all God's given you right now is a little cloud about the size of a man's hand. Hold on to that. Hold on to that. And keep crying out. And keep believing. And thank God for every little vestige of, of, of movement on his part in your life. Because sometimes he'll catch you. He'll just give you a little something. And I don't even know what it could, it could be anything. It could just be a phone call. It could be a letter. It could be a card in the mail. It could be something in a sermon, something in a song, something in a testimony. And God does that just to go, I hear you. I hear you. I'm not going to send the rain yet. But, but take note of that little cloud and keep crying out. Y'all with me out there this morning? God says, press in. Keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking, keep on pressing in until again, I believe this, you pray until God gives you what you're asking for or until God says, that is some awesome petition right there, but it's not my plan for your life. But because of your importunity, because of your persistence, because you have cried out and trusted me, and even though you're asking me for the wrong thing, I don't rebuke you, I want to show you a higher plan. God is not going to rebuke you for pressing in, even if you're pressing in, asking for the wrong thing. He's going to bring correction and show you that there's something even better. You know, Mary and Martha wanted healing for Lazarus. Jesus didn't come give them healing. He came and gave them a resurrection. Jesus said healing's good, but resurrection's better. See, and a lot of times we settle for the good and and, and we don't wait for the best. Don't, don't ring God's doorbell and run. Don't give up. Y'all hear me? Let, let's look at another one. Here's a mother praying for a child in Mark chapter 7. And, and this reminds me of my prayers for my children, especially my youngest son. And her, her daughter is demon-possessed. Now, I'm not going to read the story. But the Bible does say that this woman was not a believer. She was not a believer, but the Bible says she had heard about Jesus. Boy, I could preach right there. There are people here this morning who haven't believed yet, but they've heard about Jesus. They've heard about what Jesus is doing in Whitley Church. And they've come to see. They're curious. Now, we try to be real friendly to seekers and real friendly to people who, who are trying to, you know, find out about Jesus. If you're investigating Jesus, we welcome you. You know, people are going to investigate something before they embrace it. And so we welcome those who are investigating Jesus. But Jesus really, when I read this story, Jesus needs some classes on how to welcome visitors. Because this woman comes up to Jesus, and the Bible says in verse 26, she begged him to release her child from the demon's control. She was a Gentile. She was not a Jew. So Jesus looked at her and said, um, first, I should help my own family, the Jews. Boy, we, get, we need to give Jesus to some classes on how to treat new visitors, don't we? Jesus goes, listen to this. 
it isn't right to take food from the children, talking about Jews, and throw it to the dogs. He's talking about her. Because she wasn't a Jew, she was a Gentile. And buddy, she didn't miss a beat. Because let me tell you something, when your child's in trouble, it's hard to insult you. When you know the one you're talking to is the only hope you've got. So she didn't get insulted like a lot of us will, would have. Well, I'll never come back to this church again. That's the last time I'm coming to this church. Because her child was in trouble. So the Bible says that she replied back to him, that's true, Lord. But even the dogs under the table are given some crumbs from the children's plate. <laughs> and Jesus said, I love what the, what the uh, New Living translates. It says, Jesus said, good answer. <laughs> good answer. And because you have answered so well, I have already delivered your daughter. And when you get back to her, you will find her free of this demon. She could have quit. She could have given up. See, you've got to go into the Greek language. Here, here's where she impressed Jesus, because you don't see it when you read it in the King James or in the New Living Translation. You have to get into the Greek. When Jesus said dog, he meant a household pet. When she said dog back to Jesus, referring to herself, she meant an old mangy, yellow, it's two different Greek words. Jesus said, why should I give food to a dog? She said, let's go right on down here. I'm not just a dog, I'm a mutt. She said, but I know the mutt at my house, he don't get food off the table like the children do, but boy, when the crumb falls, he gobbles it up. And she said, Jesus, all I need for my little girl is a crumb from your table. A crumb from your table will set my child free. You praying for your children? You praying for your children? You better be. I don't care if they're this big or this big. You better wrap them in prayer every day. The enemy desires them. He desires them. And she prayed and she believed and God set her free. It looks like here Jesus is trying to discourage her. It seems sometimes as though God doesn't want to answer our prayers. Sometimes when we pray, God doesn't seem to say anything. Sometimes when we pray, God doesn't seem to speak. And what God wants you to do, listen, because some of you are right there this morning. God wants you to say, Lord, I'm not going to give up. I don't feel you. I don't see you. If I was going by my human senses, I would think you maybe didn't even exist, but I know what you promised, and I know what your word says. My need is too great. My family's in trouble. My children are in trouble. I will ask, and I will seek, and I will not until you at least let a crumb fall down from your table so I can gobble it up. You know what this woman had? Spiritual audacity. Spirit, listen, when you're praying, you need to get you some spiritual audacity. You say, well, I, I, I don't want to offend God, you know. I don't want, 
don't want God to go running off. I don't want God to say, I cannot believe he said that. Can I tell you, God is never going to say that to you. If you're crying out to him, if your heart is broken, you may say some things that aren't just right or perfect or, or, or line up directly with Scripture. But if your heart is right, he will teach you and he will speak to you and he will guide you in your prayer. Are y'all with me out there? I remember when Jacob wrestled with the angel. Genesis 32, read that when you get home. The angel said, let me go. Let me go. And I mean, I mean, Jacob, drama, time for drama. Jacob is down here. He's got hold of that angel's leg, and he will not let that angel go. And that angel says, let me go. And Jacob says, I will not let you go until you bless me. God wants to hear you say that. God wants to hear you pray like that. I'm telling you this morning, this is one of the reasons our prayers do not get answered. Let me ask you something. If an angel wanted to get rid of Jacob, do you think he could have got rid of him? I mean, there's an angel standing up there. You know? I mean, he could have took his wing and went... Let me tell you what that angel was saying. And you listen to me right here. That angel was saying, let me go, please, God. Please, God. That angel was saying, let me go. Please, God. Please don't let me go. You think that angel wanted Jacob to let go of him? No. It was a test of persistence. It was a test of, uh, uh, of importunity. It was a test of staying there until you get what you need from God. Jacob said, I don't know a lot about stuff, but I know this. I am not going to let you go till you bless me. Can I ask you this question? Do you have the spiritual audacity to look God in the eye and say, I will not stop knocking i will not stop asking i will not stop praying i will not stop seeking i will not let you go until i hear from you in this matter if we come to that place in our life god is going to do incredible things for us let me give you one last story from luke 18 jesus tells a story of a woman who was who was treated unjustly uh, it appears that something was stolen from her, and Jesus gives a parable of this woman as she goes to a judge to get to to get uh, justice. She wants justice for what's been done to her, and the judge is an ungodly man. He's an unjust man. He, he's in this position just for the money. But I want you to listen to this first verse as we go into this parable. Listen. One day, Jesus told his disciples a story to illustrate their need for constant prayer. The very thing I'm preaching on this morning. This is Luke 18, 1. One day Jesus told his disciples a story to illustrate their need for constant prayer and to show them that they must never give up. I'm reading that out of the Bible. There was a judge in a certain city who was a godless man and had great contempt for everyone. 
Jesus says there was a widow of that city who came to him, listen, 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 repeatedly, appealing, appealing, that would be praying if we put it in the spiritual sense, appealing for justice against someone who had harmed her. The judge ignored her for a while. The judge in the story, being that picture of God, ignored her for a while. But eventually, I love this language, she wore him out. It's right here in your Bible. Eventually, she wore him out, and she said this to him. Or or the man said, the, the judge said, I fear neither God nor man. But this woman is driving me crazy. It's in, I'm reading out of the Bible. I'm not making this part up. This woman's driving me crazy. Now listen to what he says. I'm going to see that she gets justice. I'm going to see that she gets what she's asking for because she is wearing me out with her constant request. I don't know how to preach it any clearer. I don't know how to teach it any plainer than I've taught it right here this morning. When you learn to graduate in your prayer life into persistence and pushing through when it seems like God is nowhere around and God isn't hearing you and God isn't doing anything and God isn't moving, When you learn to stay on your face and stay on your knees during those times and don't give up. Listen to me. Don't ring that doorbell and run. Don't ring that doorbell and run. Some of you sitting right here, God's saying to you, come back. Come back to me. Some of you prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed about something. You've prayed and fasted and prayed and fasted. You're in this 21-day fast. You're praying and fasting. It seems like heaven is as brass. It seems like every word you say bounces off the clouds and falls back or bounces off the ceiling in your house or in the church and falls back on the floor. It seems like God doesn't hear. God is saying, press in. Don't stop. I hear you. I hear you. I hear you, God says, but I'm testing your dogged determination. Because here's what happens. When God isn't saying anything and we're praying and we're pressing and we're pushing and we're not, and there's nothing to encourage us and there's nothing. I mean, we haven't even seen the cloud the size of a man's hand. We haven't even seen that. Listen to me. You're growing then. You are growing. You don't know it. It doesn't feel like you're growing. It doesn't feel like you're becoming any more like Jesus. It doesn't feel like you're developing in your spiritual life. But I promise you, when you finally do get the answer to that prayer, that will not be the only thing you rejoice about. But you will look back at your life and you will say, I am stronger. I am more like Jesus. I I have more faith. See, it isn't about you getting what you want. It is about you becoming more like Jesus. Father, we just pray, God, that your word would just marinate, that we would just marinate in this truth. God, I need this truth as bad as anybody sitting here. 
I've given up many times too early. I've rung the doorbell, waited a little while, and then thought God isn't coming. And then sometimes I've jumped down and done things on my own and said, well, if God isn't going to do anything, I've got to do something. And then I've made a mess instead of just staying there on my face, instead of just staying there before you. So God, teach us. Teach us, God, to be persistent. Teach us, oh God, to stay in there, to hang in there, to not give up. God, I pray that I would become a bother to you. I pray, God, that I would weary you. I pray that I'd be like this woman talking to the judge when the judge said, this woman's driving me crazy. She's wearing me out. God, I want to do that. I want to learn to do that. I want to have the strength to do that. I believe that things will happen and things will come into our lives and into my life that otherwise would not come if I can just learn steadfastness to not give up. We pray this. We ask it today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, now listen, everybody listen before you get up. We're going to have people up here to pray with you this morning. People up here to pray with you. You might need that prayer to kind of seal this message. Maybe you'd haven't received Christ, you want to do that today, you just come up, we're about to dismiss the service, we'll pray with you and help you come to know Christ as your personal Savior. Those of you who are our guests, make sure you pick up your gift before you leave today. God bless you. Thank you all for coming to Whitley Church today. We love you.